Um, throughout 2011, we were studying the exhortation by Paul the Apostle, the exhortation that is found in Ephesians, in his epistle to the Ephesians. And we studied uh, from verse 10 to 13. And the intention is that we will study 14 to 18 also. So in other words, we're studying from verse 10 to verse 18. However, we had gone as far as verse 13. And uh, for the whole of last year, that's what we were studying because there is a lot to to talk about. There's a lot to consider in this uh, situation because it is a very, very uh, timeless exhortation. And in fact, I would say is needed in this age more than ever. And that uh, portion of scripture says, finally, this is Ephesians 6 from verse 10 to 14. Uh, Flee, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual forces spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And then it goes on from verse 14, speaking about the whole armor of God. And it says, Stand therefore, having guarded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, and with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, we haven't gotten as far as um, studying the whole armor of God yet, uh, on radio, that is. I've been teaching that um, in church this year so far. You know, what this armor of God is. Because without it, we're defenseless. Without it, we will be injured, if not casualties, of um, of the evil one, who is the enemy of our souls. And as I've always said, Satan is not so much our enemy as the enemy of God himself. It is as a result of his hatred towards God that he wars against the children of God. As for the world, the world is in his embrace anyway. The world, you know, is under the control of Satan, not because God is not sovereign, but because the world despises God. And as such, they are on the side of the devil. So he's finished them off. There's, there's not a lot he can do. I mean, he cannot deal with them. They are his instruments. They are his casualty, his victims. But we who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ are children of God and we are supposed to have victory over Satan because Jesus Christ came as a man. God came down as a man in the fullness of his deity. He was here and he was in the fullness of of um, mankind also. He was fully man and fully God. And he was able to live the life that is expected of us here in the world and he survived living in this world against every opposition. Against every opposition that Satan threw his way. And understand this, that Satan had been at war with the Lord from his conception. 
He'd been at war with the Lord from his birth. He tried everything and he carried on his war, his vendetta against our Lord in order to thwart God's plan of salvation for mankind. And he went all the way to the cross at Calvary with this battle, believing that he had won the battle when Jesus Christ our Lord hanged on that cross and took his last breath. However, Satan lost the battle because Jesus volunteered himself to go to the cross. He did not have to go to the cross. He was not captured as a criminal is captured and as such nailed on the cross. No, it was a voluntary act of sacrifice for our atonement, without which none of us could be here today and cry out, Abba, Father, to God Almighty. Without that particular atonement, we will all still be guilty of our sins and will face God's eternal judgment. We will face God's, God's wrath will still remain upon us and we will never have been able, we would never have been able to have fellowship with God. But thanks be to our sovereign Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that is no longer the case for those of us who belong to Jesus Christ. Firstly, our sins have been forgiven. Our sins have been forgiven because Jesus took our sins upon himself when he went to the cross to take, to take the punishment to which we were entitled, the punishment that we should have faced. He faced it on our behalf. He died the death that we should have died. And as such, we are no longer guilty. Now all our sins are forgiven. All our sins have been forgiven. And all our sins will be forgiven. We are saved for eternity. And not just that, by that atonement, because we are now considered righteous by God the Father, not because of any good things we did or are capable of doing, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which God, Jesus being our Savior, in as much as He is your Savior, you confess that He is your Savior, and you admit that His death on the cross is that full payment and atonement for your sins, then the righteousness of Christ Jesus is imputed to us. And then it is imparted to us, so that we walk in his righteousness. Now we no longer live as the heaven do. We no longer live as the non-believers do. We now know whom to whom we belong, who paid the price for us. And believe me, it is not. it was not a cheap price. It's a very expensive price. The only begotten Son of God. That is the greatest gift of God to all mankind ever. We can never receive any greater gift. That is the greatest miracle ever was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His very birth, his life, his death and resurrection and his ascension to heaven, which is a victory. That is the greatest miracle we can ever receive, which is why I can never understand Christians who are still miracle hungry, who pursue miracles. And by doing so, they make themselves vulnerable to the evil one, to Satan, because he is full of counterfeit miracles. And the world abounds in counterfeit miracles. Miracles were not put forth as a request, as, as a matter of demand from man, but they were sent forth by God for a reason at God's own determination. Not because some person purporting to be God's servant organizes a, a period in, in a venue where he comes and tells you all to come along and receive the miracles he's going to see. So come and watch his show of miracles. That is, there's no precedent for such events in the, in the Bible. There isn't. And no man can make such promises on behalf of God. Because if God is not willing, he will not perform any miracles. I'm not saying God cannot. 
God can, but it is purely at his own discretion because people do um, experience a lot of things, uh, situations, circumstances that are supernatural, things they know that could not have, have happened except for God. You know, they cannot do things, situations where no other explanation can be offered except divine intervention. Now, they're not commonplace. They're not commonplace. And we, it is not our entitlement as believers, contrary to a lot of false teachings we have, we are not entitled to it. That's not why Jesus came, so that we can be entitled to miracles. As I said, we have received the greatest miracle ever, which is our salvation. And if that is not sufficient for you, I doubt if you're Christian at all. Because if you know if you know what awaits the non-believers, the unbelievers, the godless, the unrighteous, in eternal damnation, believe me, you would know, you would appreciate the, the greatness and the depth, the magnitude of the salvation we have received. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who created all things, the God who put us in this earth in which we breathe his, his air, we, we drink the water he's provided, we are sustained by all the food he has provided, he, he's given us the beauty of the earth, he's given us everything, the beauty of life, of relationships, the beauty of a faculty of thinking, of intelligence, of wisdom, all those things. And added to that, for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus, he's given us peace and joy. Now, that God, that same God who created the first world, and because of the godlessness and the evil sinfulness of the people, the inhabitants of that first world, decided to destroy the earth, and he did, totally at his discretion, is absolutely entitled to. I never entertain foolish arguments such as, yeah, if God is as loving as you say, how could he have done that? Sorry, it is his creation, he can do whatever he chooses with it. He can do whatever he chooses with any one of us at any time. Now, he recreated all things. He replenished the earth with us today. And he again here said, the judgment of the world has been pronounced. Already the wrath of God is upon this godly, or upon the darkness of this world. Now, he has said that ultimately he's going to bring this present earth to certain destruction again. This time to cleanse it, but for the last time. And as such, he offered a new lease of life to those who would repent of their sins, and that through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then God says he's going to renew all things, and we are going to abide with him forever. We're going to live forever. We don't die. Believers will not die. When we leave this world, which, believe me, it is a very thankful thing, because I cannot imagine... I cannot. The, the the thought of it makes me shudder. The prospect of this world remaining as it is forever and ever. I mean, consider all the evil in it. Consider the, the darkness. Consider the sinfulness. All the vices. The absolute loss of morality that we suffer from today, that the world suffers from today. It's an absolute loss of morality. Shame. Because you would have thought Christians will be outstanding citizens in this world. Now, true Christians still are, but unfortunately, within the world of uh, uh, within the word Christianity now, we found a lot of charlatans, a lot of rogues, a lot of liars, deceivers, a lot of people who are deluded, and they all done the name Christianity Christians. So sadly, there is a major problem, and so. 
you can imagine if this world were going to continue in the way it is going with all the famines, all the earthquakes, all the, uh, all the oppression and suppression, all the violence, the homicides. I was watching some documentaries yesterday on the um, crime and investigation channels. I watch this when I um, every now and then just to see the extent of the evil in the world. And there were three cases that came up, three separate cases of teenagers that killed their friends. Now, I'm not talking about where they pick up a gun and just shoot at them, you know, and they say it was an accident like we have. But we have situations now in, in some parts of the world where little children, 10 years old, 9 years old, take their parents' guns and go on rampage in, in, the, in their school, shooting down many children their age. Isn't that sad? Is that the kind of world we want to carry on living in? And this particular bo- uh, three boys were 13. And what did they do? They killed... Um, some other boys, you know, each one killed one boy who, in their school, was rivaling with them over a girl. Can you imagine what a 13-year-old supposed to know about love in the first place? But already, at that age, these children were overtaken by lust. And so, on account of their, uh, their girlfriends having broken up with them and going out with somebody else, they lured the other boys away into to places where they could be alone and one stabbed terribly in the most grotesque manner stabbed uh, uh, the, the other boy to death one shot uh, the, the other boy to death I think uh, the, the third one also stabbed it was unbelievable and you know what they concealed the, mur- the murder so well to this day one body has not been found they, con- they concealed everything so well they- and they pretended and they carried on living normal lives and their parents would have sat there thinking that's my son, yeah yeah, my little son you know, he's only 13, isn't he sweet? really? <laughs> there's so many monsters being bred today so many people, children possessed by demons in such ways because I'm sorry, the kind of spirit that possesses, it's the demonic spirit that possesses people to, le- to let them do such things, to lead them into such things this is why we're supposed to when we come to Christ, we are filled with the Holy Spirit such that we are not capable because the Holy Spirit is, is, uh, lives in us and is in us and abides in us that is provided we are obedient to God and we do honor the presence of the Holy Spirit because we see some people, though professing Christians, cannot cannot um, separate themselves from the world. They're Christians for the wrong reasons and I doubt if they're saved at all. They've come into Christianity via certain, through the back door, shall we say, through lies and deception. They've been told, come to Jesus, all your problems will disappear. Come to Jesus and you'll have money. Come to Jesus and you'll have perfect wealth. Well, that is not the case. That is not the promise we are made. We do not come to Jesus for that reason. We come to the Lord Jesus because we realize we are sinners. Until you come to Jesus on those terms that you've realized that you're a sinner who is worthy of God's judgment and God's wrath abounds upon you, you will you, you cannot honestly come to Jesus. You're deluded. You've been deceived and you're deceiving yourself. So of course we have people like that. But the true Christian, when a true Christian does come to the Lord Jesus Christ, then he fills us with his Holy Spirit. He leads us. He is now in control of our minds. He now takes charge of our minds. He guides us. He begins to develop fruit in us. You know, he produces fruit in us, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and we are no longer capable of doing the evil we would have done, the, or that we could have been capable of. It is inconceivable for me to think of murdering anyone. 
I mean, as much as I hate cockroaches, I couldn't even kill one. Not because I think it's entitled to live, but because I can't stand the stupid things. You know, so <laughs> the very thought of, of, of killing a person, we find it so distasteful. I can't even sit and watch programs on television where sex is thrown back and forth. I've never in my life watched the, an episode of Sex in the City. Why? Because I find... Now, I don't even know. Maybe they don't even have any sex in it. I don't know, but I find the title repulsive. I um, once caught an episode. Now, um, I've been in this country now. In I've lived in the UK for 30 years. And um, I was here when they started the certain TV soap called EastEnders. And um, I'd never, I'd, I'm not one to get addicted to things. I do not like TV programs that um, sort of um, are so ensnaring that you, you just must watch it. I do not like being addicted to anything. Now, this is all part of what I'm saying when the Holy Spirit of God leads you because such things lead to idolatry. And I never ever sat down to watch an episode of EastEnders in my life. But one day, by occasion, my children were watching it. Now, they haven't been watching it for very long, but someone was visiting then who wanted to see it. And so we all sat there, and I just came in and just sat with them, and I saw this episode, and in it, there were gay lovers who were applauded for their homosexuality. It was the norm. There was somebody's wife sleeping with somebody's daughter, somebody having some illicit affair with somebody. I was so disgusted. I said, I'm sorry, but can you change this? And I said, another thing, uh, nobody is allowed to watch this program in this household. You've got to take control. You know, and so no one in my household watches EastEnders because I think it's totally, dis- I was disgusted. And this is what we're saying because it is the media that rules the people of the world. So when the Holy Spirit of God is in you, he leads you, he guides you. This is why it is imperative. I can assure you that none of these children who have been committing all these homicides I'm talking about, I don't believe that they or their parents were Christians. And I mean, I'm not saying churchgoers. There are so many churchgoers all over the place. But when a household is led by the Holy Spirit, when the parents are godly people, when the parents display the righteousness of Christ and live in it and raise their children in the same way, then you have peace. The Bible says, Great will be your children's peace in a promise to the righteous. But then we have this situation where there's so much evil. So I don't want this world to continue the way it is. I don't want it. I cannot. I shudder at the thought. Can you imagine if God in his mercy had not decided to cut down the days of man in this world? If God had not decided to cut down the days of of man in this world and as such we live here forever and ever in this kind of vileness and evil? Can you imagine what would happen? If we all had to carry on living in this world with all the madness in it, homosexual marriages, homosexuals being allowed to raise children, homosexual priests and, and vicars and things, fraudulent pastors, pastors who are addicted to drugs, who, who are, are busy committing so much gross sexual immorality, living lavishly while their flock are struggling. All this evil that we see in the world of the Muslims deciding, determining to kill us all so they can get 70 virgins in heaven. Can you imagine if there was no end to it? If there was going to be no end to it. And it was going to carry on like that and we are going to live forever and ever like that. It is only going to get worse. This world was not this vile. Okay, it's always been evil since Adam and Eve erred. But then, since they sinned against God. But things just get worse every day. 
There were no gay rights when I moved here 30 years ago, the way we have them now. Homosexual marriages are just a recent thing. Allowing them to raise children. I mean, what kind of children can they raise? These are people without morals. Now, that is very recent. And now the UK government have said uh, they are allowed to get married in church if the church would have them. And I'm sure there'll be some lunatics who claim to be servants of God who will open the doors of their churches to them to come in and get married. I don't know to which God they will reckon they are committing such a marriage or, you know, every, all this, oh, it's just unbelievable when I think of what's going on in the world. I don't want to stay here forever. Because every day I look at me and I just say, come Lord Jesus, come. And I don't just say it, I pray it fervently. Come Lord Jesus, come. Because when he does come, his saints will now have that promise manifest of eternal life in a peaceful, sinless world. Now that I look forward to. The lack of, to the absolute lack of evil that is going to be in God's new creation. Where we once again have perfect fellowship with God. We have fellowship with God now. But it will be the perfect fellowship with God because then we'll be clothed with immortality. So all the sickness and disabilities that we have now... Yes, the promise of the Lord is that, yes, he, he has taken our infirmities away. Yes, but that will be for eternity. Here, because we still live in a fallen world, and unfortunately the bodies, the shells in which we live in, are still very subject to the failure of this world, to the ills of this world. We will still be here struggling in the flesh for several other things, but we have peace. We have peace and we have joy. Why? Because we have God's eternal promise. There'll be no sickness, no evil, there'll be no oppression, no suppression, no vileness, no immorality. It's just going to be wonderful. And I look forward to that. So quite honestly, if you are a true believer, you should look forward to that. And you should look up to heaven and say to God, thank you for death from this present world. Because I cannot imagine, like I said. And so we have this. Exhortation from Paul the Apostle, the Ephesian church was going through a lot of problems and um, they had enough um, issues. Don't forget that Ephesus, if you read in the book of Acts, Ephesus was one of the cities, shall we say, that was was greatly uh, dipped in idolatry and um, of many kinds. They had all kinds of gods and in fact they they had a particular god there uh, i think diana uh, queen of god of the ephesians or something like that whatever the case may be the the church there was having certain problems and paul wrote them this letter and gave them a lot of counseling and a lot of exhortation and he said to them that they should put on the whole armor of god standing strong in the power of god so that they will be able to stand when the evil day comes now let me tell you as a believer, the evil day is every day. Oh yes, it is every day. Because every day you will face temptation. Every day you come in contact with the godless. Every day you come in contact with sin. That is not to say that you necessarily sin every day. No, you're not supposed to. Because a person who habitually lives in sinfulness is really, you know, is a, has not known God. It's not a child of God. That's not me. That's not my judgment. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible makes it very clear. The Bible makes that very, very clear. That no one who is born of God can, will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. 
Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. So when we live in the hatred of the world, hating this and hating that. Now, when the Bible talks about our brothers, it's talking about fellow believers. Now, we have a lot of feuding in churches, do we not? In church, uh, church groups. A lot of rivalry, a lot of malice, a lot of abuse. It's unbelievable. Fightings, brawlings. Yes, we will have problems because we are not uh, perfect people yet. We will be made perfect when we see our Lord face to face. But while we are here, like I said, we still struggle with the flesh that we have, that we've had. But the important thing is that we be submitted to the Holy Spirit. And we're submitted to this uh, leadership of the Holy Spirit. We will survive living in this world. And we will be overwhelmed by the love of God. And we will be overwhelmed by desire to please God. And that is why when we will be able to separate ourselves from life of sinfulness. The things we did before will become distasteful to us. The ideas we used to have become repugnant to us. The habits and addictions we used to have will become disgusting to us. We will hate what God hates and we will love what God loves. That is a life of true Christianity. And this is a life that can stand and identify the wiles of the devil that Paul the Apostle spoke about. Now, this is such an expansive topic. I spent all of 2011 talking about it. There's so many areas in it. And I'm still not finished with it yet. But I'm, God willing, I hope to finish the epistle of Jude, which was uh, the final study before we then go into the armor of God. So I have to finish the epistle of Jude over the next two weeks. I haven't touched it today in so many words. But um, we, we, we are told it is so timely for us and it is so important that we are able to stand to the, against the wiles of the devil, which are numerous, too numerous to count. Too numerous to count. Act, you know, things like anger, brawling, things like depression, fear, anxiety, doubting God, faithlessness, they're all wiles of the devil. And the worst part of it is false teachings, and that's where we have been studying the uh, epistle of Jude. False teachings. The world is inundated with false teachers, inundated with false prophets. People who come and tell you a lot of nonsense just to win you over for themselves not to Christ. I don't even like the idea of people saying, you know, um, you know I'm winning, uh, uh, what's the phrase that people like to use? Winning souls for Christ. You, so, you know, I, I don't particularly, no, no, that's not quite it. There's a particular phrase. I, I, I've got it written down somewhere because I intend to actually preach about that, you know, because I, I think there's a place for the way we come to Christ. As I said earlier, we come to Christ for forgiveness through repentance but when we're saying there's a phrase that is very commonly used which i you know i believe is very very misleading and that's why people come with every arrogance and they think once they come and they say jesus is lord they can start making ridiculous and lustful demands and jesus is presented as their heavenly messenger who is there to take orders and so people are shutting up and i decree this and i order that and i command that you can command anything of god you're just a creation and that you've been saved and that you're called a child of god been adopted into god's family is a matter of grace it is by God's grace and mercy. It's not something, you know, that you did. It's not about anything you did. So you have no right 
to speak up to God in whatever way you choose. And I decree this and I declare that and I authorize and I command that. If your child, you being an earthly parent, if your child were to come before you telling you they demand this and they claim that of you and they command you to do, would you respond? Would you respond? I certainly wouldn't and I've got five children, I can assure you of that. None of them would dare speak to me like that. Want their pocket money come and I and I command you, Mom, to give me that pocket money now and I decree it that that pocket money shall be mine. Oh boy, they know what they'd have coming. So how much more, Almighty God? You see, the problem with false teaching is so grave. I have studied a lot of false teachers, and these are the people on the world stage of fame. You know, nowadays we've got them all, and what they do is they elevate the self and bring God down. And we're going to go into that that aspect of things when we continue the last part of uh, the epistle of Jude, um, the next time I speak, because there's a grave danger there. You cannot reach the kingdom of God under false teachings. It's not possible. And so we'll continue that the next time I speak, talking about false teachers and the danger that is in, that is contained in the nice words uh, they offer. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you.